This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Dorenda. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome to episode 198 of the Laravel News Podcast. Today is August 22nd, 2023. And I was just listening to Syntax FM. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. Podcast on a podcast. We're going inception mode. <laughs> but I like their intro way better than ours. Have you listened to it? It's hilarious. It's uh, it's very full on that. It's like that, that shock uh, jock sort this of. This jockey like, hype man. Yeah. That's, that's the one. So shock funny. jock. Yeah. Like I really want to do it's, that now. It's a very intentional thing. They, uh, yeah. I think it'd be hilarious. Like that'd be really funny. But would it be stealing to do that? I mean, I don't know. They stole it from shock jock radio. I think right? so. I think so, especially now that you've specifically mentioned it. Yeah, who know? Who cares? What do they say? Uh, what do they say? Good artists copy Imitation great artists. Is good good artists copy great uh-huh. artists steal. Something like that. Something like that. I don't know. Something like that. Anyway, everybody, we got some fun stuff lined up for us today. We've got uh, Honey Badger sponsoring the show. Thanks so much to Honey Badger. Check them out at honeybadger.io. Error tracking and monitoring for all your Laravel apps, as well as all the other apps that you have. Native PHP javascript front end inertia view you know live wire all of your different flavors you can get all of the air tracking you need with honeybadger.io thanks josh star and who's the other one i don't know it's probably like the ben the ben josh star and ben thanks guys okay so shall we get down to it shall we i don't we know should. okay so you know what i, I mean so. I, have we talked about this before? The whole changing of seasons, the the Australia and a U.S. changing of seasons stuff. Okay, dude, this is mm-hmm. stuff. This yep. is just so interesting to me. Like, I don't feel it. I feel like I only learned this in the last couple of years about how the tilting of the Earth on its axis and like how the Southern Hemisphere, the Northern Hemisphere, and why it's always sunny from the South in the Northern Hemisphere, you know, and why moss always grows on the North side of buildings in the in the Northern Hemisphere because the sun never hits it. I don't know all that cool stuff. So many cool things. And the different solstices I, and the different, like, you know, the, you know, autumnal equinox stuff, like all that crap. It's all so interesting to me. And it's all because you live in Australia and I had to learn all this stuff. It's very cool to me. I, I look from what little I know of your school system over there, I'm not surprised you only just learned it recently. <laughs> <laughs> hey, easy, easy. Come on now. Dude, you know, maybe it's like, it's like one of those things, right? Like we don't always all learn the same way. Like there are certain things that interest people that just don't interest, you know, like there are other kids in my class, I'm sure who picked up stuff that I didn't. Um, and I probably picked up some stuff that they didn't like, we're just dis- interested in different things. I think it's just that like, it's, I think it's, I think it's a very, very narrow stereotype that sort of Americans generally don't know that the world outside of their borders exists. I don't know. It's like like a very very narrow stereotype. Yeah. But. Well, no. I mean, I I get that. Like, I guess so. Maybe it's like uh, you know, Australia is watching like American sports or something. I don't know. Like sports mm. in the United States, and so you guys recognize that the seasons are different than what's the season there. Whereas, like, I've never literally watched Australian sports ever. Maybe, maybe, right? <laughs> so, like, Southern Hemisphere, like, I don't even know it exists practically. You know, I, mean? I, I know that. I'm just saying, like, that was never <laughs> apparent to me. Because I was never watching anything in real time that was happening in the Southern Hemisphere, ah. so I didn't know. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. Mm. Anyway, Who sorry. Who knows? Who knows? That's not what you folks are here to hear. You're, you're here to hear about releases and news and packages and tutorials, which we have many of for you. So 
Michael, thanks so much for creating the show notes. We have Laravel 10.19 that was just released as of August 16th. This week, the Laravel team released version 10.19 with a collection percentage method, custom event discovery class resolution, dynamic queue listeners delay, and more. So Josh Bonick contributed a word wrap method to the Laravel string API. So if you don't know what this is, uh, we used to just have string helpers, right? Uh, Caleb Porzio, before mm-hmm. he was known for Livewire, he was the string king. Do you remember for the longest time there, all he was doing was just submitting string, was. string helpers. And they were great. Just trying to get them all in. Just trying to get them all in. And all of them were like str underscore and then something, right? And I think Taylor just got tired of creating new private functions and methods like that. So we're like, okay, we're going we're gonna to wrap this up. And so you now have the string API, the Laravel string API, which you can get by doing str colon colon. And so this word wrap method is uh, done by doing str colon colon word wrap. What, what this does is it will split strings within a string using a character limit. Uh, this method is a really a wrapper just for PHP's word wrap function. Uh, so in, you, in the case that you have a very long word with W-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-R-D. Very long word, right? What you can say is str word wrap, pass in that text, and then say characters eight, like every eight characters. And then what it's going to do is it's just going to wrap that. It's going to put a new line between uh, every eight characters. It's going to do uh, a new line on that. So that's it. That's all it is. It's pretty, pretty simple. Hmm. Um, but thank you, Josh Bonick, for contributing that. Um, Wendell Adriel contributed a percentage method to collections that allows you to calculate a percentage based on custom logic using a truth test. So in this case, if you have, and this is actually kind of nice, um, it doesn't do it's, it's, as I'm looking at it, I I almost said the word average. It's not an average. It's a percentage, right? And so what we're saying is the number of items that match a truthy test over the total number of items. This is how you get a percentage, by the way, right? If you have, um, 25 out of 100 of a set of apples are green, 25%, right? 25 divided by 100 uh, are that uh, is the percentage, right? So the number over the total is a percentage. So you have a collection that you start out with. And let's say that we have five people and we're wanting to check to see if their last name starts with the letter B. So you could do that. You could just have a truthy test, right? So you have, say, collection, percentage, and then you have this closure where you're accepting the value, and then you're returning a true or a false. So however many return true will be divided by the total number in the collection, and then it will return to you a percentage. And it returns it to you as a float, it looks like, 25.00, 50.00, 0.00. So that's that's how the percentage helper works. So that's that's pretty cool on collections. Very, very interesting. Um, all right. The ability to customize class resolution inside of event discovery. So uh, Bastion Phi contributed the ability to customize class resolution for event discovery. All right. We're going to, this one's going to be a little bit of one that I'm gonna probably going to stumble my way through. So thank you for your patience as I read through this. This PR adds the ability to customize the way the translation is done and unlocks event discovery in such DDD structures. So is this based on like if you have a event listener? So Laravel has event listener auto discovery, right? right. So you can yep. conventionally place things in the um, events folder okay. and Laravel knows yep. to look there. So this is giving a callback on the discover events class, which is part of the framework. 
which allows you to say, actually, oh, I'm I keeping that my events somewhere else. Or mm-hmm. in the DDD structure, you would have, you know, a per module folder structure where you would have your models and your events and your listeners and whatever else within each context. So you would say, okay, all of my um, events are in this like globbed structure. So you would have people slash and then um, application slash and, you know, whatever else. And so you've got the same sort of the top level structure that you have in a Laravel application kind of gets pushed down on a per module um, thing. So you can kind of co-locate all of that functionality. So this, I suppose, gives you the ability to say conventionally, my events will all be within here in this like substructure. Oh, very cool. That's awesome. I love that. Thank you for clarifying that one for me. Um, maybe I should just let you read this whole thing. I mean, I that probably would have been a good idea. It seems like you did your homework on this one. Caleb mm. W. specified or sorry, contributed support for listeners to define a with delay method that can determine queue listener delay. So in the case that we have a class that is a listener and it implements should queue, uh, what you can do in this case is you can say with delay is a method. And then you can grab the event and check for a value. Uh, in this case, basically, it just allows you to return the delay from the with delay event, right? Or sorry, the with delay method. And so what they're doing in here is they're saying, if the event is, uh, you know, has some property set, use a short delay. Otherwise, use a long delay. So in the case that you say something like this event has a property called uh, real time notification set equal to true, then you would just say uh, the delay with delay would return zero, like go ahead and dispatch it right now. Otherwise, you would say, go ahead and uh, find the next window of time where it's going to be a period of time where they're awake, maybe, right? So you'd say, grab the time zone from that user, and they said set to like the middle of the day or something, set to noon, so they get it in a time where it's not obnoxious, right? Um, so, I mean, with delay, that's that's the method that we're talking about here, and you can just return an integer value, which will then determine how long it should be delayed before it is dispatched to the queue. Tremi Krunstevere contributed a PHP doc update to help static analysis tools understand the generic return types of the rescue helper. There's no code examples on this one, but the updated doc blocks uh, are in the show notes here. So the rescue function is something that you can call. And uh, what you do is in the first argument, you pass a callable. And then the second argument is if it should be rescued, uh, what is the value I think that you return back, right? So in the case that there's an exception thrown in that in that closure as the first argument, what do you want to give as a fallback value, right? So by default, it's null, but you could provide a different value. Uh, and then as the last argument, you could say reporting is on or reporting is off. So the exception is thrown. Do you want to report the error or would you rather just swallow that error and not report it? Right. So this is a really helpful function. I've used this all over the place. Um, but uh, code uh, sniffers, right? your static analysis tools, mm-hmm. have a difficult time figuring out what these things are that are in this rescue function. And so this PHP doc update uh, that you're never really going to see, uh, but it's just inside of the framework now, is going to help those static analysis tools understand what's in there by using these generic return types. Um, so there we go. You can learn more about this uh, at generics by example on the PHP stand blog. 
This is something that Nuno Maduro talked about a couple of years ago on Laracon Online as well, uh, where he was, this was before they had introduced generics into the framework skeleton and all that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And so he was talking about that and how you can define the shape of even array values, you know, that are just, they're just arrays, but you can say this one needs to be an integer and this one needs to be something, whatever. And then your, your static analysis yeah. tools will, will, you know, throw an error or let you know if they're not. So that's pretty cool. Um, Jordan Welch contributed the ability to pass an integer to create many and create many quietly on model factories to create that number of models. So, uh, so previously you might've done something like users, factory, uh, create many, and then you'd pass some, it looks like he was just passing an array of empty values. Um, I think you could probably also do, maybe, maybe you couldn't do times. I know like, so on factory, sometimes I would use like times. Maybe it doesn't, yeah, it wasn't a thing on this, or I'm, I'm not, not sure. exactly sure. I think maybe this is just another option. Um, rather, you know, rather than doing rather than doing factory three or factory times three create, you can just do create many and then pass you know, it to just make value. it a little bit more explicit. Yep, create yep. many and three, and there you go. So it's where you don't That's want it. to change. You know, if you just want to use the default factory structure, the de- de- default definition for like a user factory, yeah, rather than having to pass three empty arrays or to say, you know. Well, yeah, basically to say create many and then pass three empty arrays. So you get that default structure. Now you can just say create many. So again, I think it's it looks as though it's just another one of those quality of life things. Sure. I didn't realize you could do that with the create many and then pass um, different values in a row like that to say like, yeah, give me the default structure, except for these values should be different. That's kind of cool. That's like that yeah. sequence operator or that, or that sequence right. little function. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. cool. Okay. Yep. Well, that is it for 10.19. Uh, that is the only release we have in the show notes for this week. So on with the news. On with the news. First up, Laravel Forge has announced a new feature that provides zero, or sorry, that promises zero t- downtime deployments thanks to a seamless integration with Laravel Envoy. The integration ensures that even those brief milliseconds of downtime are avoided while the server updates the code. Linking new sites to Envoy projects within Forge is now incredibly straightforward and the system will automatically ensure server addition and proper SSH access configuration and the, the capability to connect existing sites will also be introduced soon. So this allows you to kind of leverage the power of the zero downtime deployments afforded to you by Envoy and then sort of link up your Forge servers directly rather than having to kind of, if you've ever done it in the past, you've yeah, had, you had to, to kind of go into... Forge, set it up, then go into an Envoy and then set up the project again there. So you kind of have a little bit of double handling. So this kind of links the two pro, uh, two softwares as a service together and kind of does all that linking and configuration for you. Um, importantly, you do need to have an active subscription to both Laravel Forge and Laravel Envoy for this to work, but it does allow you to kind of get access to all of that stuff directly. It allows you to kind of share your environment files and things like that between that, but we will have links to the full announcement and more changes in the show notes. Yeah, so previously you could do this the other way. So you could you could create something in Forge, you could create a site provision in Forge, and then if you went over to an Envoyer, created the project, then if you went to the servers tab, you could say import from Forge, and you could just point it out like, hey, here's the server, here's the site, and it would just handle doing some of the SSH stuff. But this is saying if you're in Forge and you want to go, if you want to create the same site over an Envoyer, now that's really, really simple to do, which is super nice for me because we use both. And uh, previously it was something you'd have to, you know, like you said, go up and set up in both places and mm-hmm. whatever. So nice. Very good improvement there. Okay. If you're not using Laravel Herd yet, you probably should. It's pretty cool. 
And uh, there's only a couple instances in which I've had to switch back to using Valet. I think one was in the case that I had to use like something called PDFTK. No, in that case, I think I just had to set a user path. Anyway, Level Heard version 1.2.0 includes an app creation wizard, Tinkerwell integration, and more. So there is a video out on YouTube from Laravel News uh, featuring all the different changes and all the different features that are released in this version. So first of all, there is a new GUI. So the sites panel in Laravel Heard 1.2 introduces an innovative and more streamlined approach to building new Laravel websites. So when navigating here, you find a bunch of different options, right? So you have um, just create a new Laravel instance, a new Laravel Breeze instance, a new Laravel Jetstream instance, right? And you can just click on those and create them straight from within Herd, which is awesome. Or you can go without a starter kit at all. You can just select your desired testing framework, opt for dark mode, PHP unit, pest, livewire, inertia dark mode, and much more. So um, you don't have to remember any of the flags that you would normally have to remember when you're creating a new Laravel uh, project. You just go into Herd. Click the button and it will walk you through the little wizard that you would need in order to do that. So that's really, really cool. Uh, they've also introduced some keyboard shortcuts. So inside the same sites panel, there's this quick action option to open your site directly in Tinkerwell. Um, so Tinkerwell user, love that. You can set personalized shortcuts to open the last visited site in Tinkerwell using a keyboard shortcut of your choice. Uh, so this this navigation of freedom accelerates your development process and adds a lot of, you know, adds just a little touch of customization, which is, um, it's just those little things, right? It's the polish that they put yeah. on after the fact, yeah. which I so love. And so since Marcel is the one running Herd, uh, of course, he's going to have some really good integrations with some of his other product products like Tinkerwell. Um, and if you've not used Tinkerwell yet, uh, you're missing out. So you should definitely check that one out. So thanks, Marcel, uh, for this amazing free tool. Please go check it out. Nuno Maduro just announced a um, new beta, beta version 5 of Laravel Vault and Folio, which now supports named routes. So one of the headlining features of the release is the introduction of a name function, which is a great addition that allows you to give custom names to your routes. Naming routes enhances readability, aids in debugging, and improves overall navigation in projects. Again, we've got a video for this one up on the Laravel News YouTube channel. I think now that Eric has gone full-time, he's putting a bit more... Um, time into producing this content as well in video format, which is helpful because trying to explain things like this yeah, exactly. never ends well for us on the podcast. So it's good to be able to reference some video content. Yeah. Um, when working on large projects or collaborating with a team, referring to routes by name rather than by, you know, um, copy-pasting strings around, which is always fraught with danger, is a way to go. And with Beta 5, you can now also incorporate the Vault uh, multiple at vault blade directives on a single page, which allows for more flexible page structuring and further enriches the developer experience. So just two new additions in this beta, but they do, do address a few minor pain points. And according to Nuno, this is likely the final beta release before we see a stable version of vault and blade. So if you haven't had a play around with it, check it out. We'll have links to all of that in the show notes, of course. Have you had a chance to mess with this yet? I have not. I'm, I'm thinking about redoing no. my personal website. And so I'm thinking about using this um, just as sort yeah. of an excuse. Always to play think about with it. it. Yeah, always think about it, but never actually sit down and do it. Um, I know, I know. It's just like too many. But things, yeah, definitely, right? definitely the kind of thing. Definitely the kind of thing. I've uh, I've been very busy the last few weeks. So <laughs> with, comes uh, with age. We're just old men now. I know, old men. That's right. Yep. And you got Laracon <laughs> online, or not? Not Laracon online. Laracon AU coming up too. So you got you got that prepping now as well. It's in the yeah in the hopper. Yep. Okay. Uh, cache. 
version three. I believe I'm saying that correctly. When I talked to James Brooks about mm-hmm. it at Laracon, that's how I said it, and he didn't correct me. So I'm guessing that's what it is. So James Brooks, the original creator of Cache, which is an open source status page system, has shared an update about its journey. So he had a Twitter post, and then he had an issue on uh, the Cache GitHub repo. So I will say this. I've been using Cache. We used Cache for a really long time, actually, up until about probably four months ago. And then I switched over to something different Uh, because Cache wasn't like it was it was on an old version of Laravel. And it just kind of it was like all of our it was everything else was on a newer version of Laravel. And Cache was the only one that was kind of holding on and like just old and like old version of PHP. And I just didn't feel like dealing with it anymore. So I, I booted and I went over to something else. And of course, James takes on the project again, and now he's working on updating it to all the latest and greatest. He's going to rewrite it in inertia and all that stuff. Uh, So basically, the story is that he released this nine years ago while he's working on another SaaS application. So uh, Cache became his primary focus, and a bunch of Fortune 50 companies were using it, like it reached number one on Hacker News. It was on Product Hunt. It was in GitHub's trending projects for weeks. It was awesome, right? Uh, But then he sold Cache five years ago. So the buyers and him had really big plans for how they were going to continue to improve it, but that never actually came to fruition. So fast forward five years, James is in a better place personally, and he's at Laravel. So he is going to, he has basically bought it back. He bought it back from the people who originally bought it from him. And so his goal now is to rebuild it using uh, Vue, Inertia, Laravel 10, and Tailwind. And he's also decided on specific criteria for this rebuild, such as supporting only 8.1 and above, uh, potentially dropping non-English translations temporarily until those can get retranslated. And so he's really looking for people to come alongside and help make this thing awesome. It is awesome, by the way. It's really, really good. And uh, really excited for this thing to kind of get revitalized and for James to take this one back on again. So if you've not checked it out before, now would be a great time to do so and volunteer some help. If you have a couple extra hours in your time, you can uh, help James out with that. It'd be awesome. This is also a great, this is also a great repo that could use some state machines. So <laughs> true. I asked him, I was like, dude, we should probably do some state machine stuff. And he's like, yes, please. <laughs> so no worries. Perfect. Okay, last bit of news that we have here is that the Laracon AU 2023 schedule has been published. Uh, We published this last Monday, and the conference will be uh, 16, sorry, will feature 16 talks covering a cross-section of technical, soft, and business-oriented topics, in addition to a very special Laravel team Q&A with a number of members being in attendance at the conference this year. I won't run through it all. So what we've done is we've published the talks and the times for all of those talks, and we'll come back to announcing the speakers in October. Um, as of right now, as of the time of this recording, the conference is actually sold out, which is mind-blowingly exciting for me That's after awesome. a four-year break to be able to sell it out. So we're we're working through through some things at the moment, and hopefully by the time that we record again, the Laravel News Podcast, we'll have some more news on that front. Um, but if you are attending or you're interested in knowing what what talks will be available when we publish the videos um, later in the year after the conference has happened, obviously, then we'll have the links to all of that in the show notes. Very cool. All right, so we are going to move on to some packages here. So the first one we've got is generating API documentation for Laravel with Scramble. So Scramble is a package for Laravel that will generate your API documentation for you 
without requiring you to write all sorts of PHP doc annotations manually all over the place. It also utilizes something called Spotlight Elements. And what this does is it's a library. Library is the right word for it. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, I'd say it's a library. But basically what it does is it creates interactive API docs with these embeddable React or web components that are powered by OpenAPI and Markdown. So it gen- not only does it generate your API documentation for you, but it does so using these spotlight elements, which then gives you these really rich interactions with that API documentation. So the main model of Scramble is to generate as much API documentation automatically as possible so that you can focus on the code and avoid annotating every possible parameter or field as it may result in outdated documentation, right? Which is true. If your documentation relies on you going in and updating the doc box every time you make a change, it's easier for those things to fall out of date. So by generating those docs automatically mm-hmm. from the code, your API should always have up-to-date documentation that you can trust because that's that's just the reality of things. So after installing Scramble in your level project, you get two new routes, docs slash API and docs slash API.json. So the slash API is just how you can view the API documentation on the web, right? And the API.json is an open API document in JSON format used to describe your API. So uh, the way that this, the way that it works is that Scramble relies on static analysis and Laravel conventions to generate all that documentation for you. Uh, you, of course, also have the ability to supplement the automatic documentation with annotations. Um, but part of what Scramble does is to check form requests uh, or a call to a validate within your uh, call to document required parameters, right? So if you're using form requests or even in the controller itself using the validate method, it will look at those, inspect that and say, these must be required or these must be, you know, a length of at least this or they must be contained in this list of enum values, whatever. Uh, Some other notable features include configurable route resolution using the scramble, scramble routes method documentation authorization gate so you can say only particular people can view the uh view the api uh, documentation uh, you have server configuration uh, document security scheme using common conventions like jaw basic oauth2 etc uh, because you know those are going to be something that you're going to want to include inside your api documentation how do you actually authenticate to this api uh, you have an extensions api and more to get started with scramble you can check out the getting started documentation which includes installation setup and more. You can find all that in our show notes. So Paul Redmond wrote that one up. Thanks to everyone's favorite human, Mr. Paul Redmond. And uh, that's a good one. I really like that. Very cool. Hmm. There are, there are, I guess, two ways of developing code. One is to read your application documentation and mm-hmm. one is to fumble your way through hitting errors. Mm-hmm. Code that has errors that is even written by an amazing developer such as yourself. And when those errors happen, it's nice to know that Honey Badger has your back. HoneyBadger makes you a DevOps hero by combining error, uptime, and check-in monitoring into a single easy-to-use platform and will send you alerts in real time with all the context needed to see what's causing the error and where it's hiding so you can quickly fix it and get on with your day. The included uptime and cron monitoring also lets you know when your external services are having issues or your background jobs go missing or silently fail. You can go to honeybadger.io and discover how Star, Josh, and Ben created a 100% bootstrap monitoring solution, which is important because as a self-funded organization, they answer only to you, the developer, rather than a venture capital overlord. And if you are like me and you like to kind of fumble your way through things and let the errors be your documentation, then you can check them out. Thanks for sponsoring the podcast for... I guess it's been years now, hasn't it? It has been. It's been at it's least like a year and way. a half. It does. It's It's been a yeah. long time. They've been longtime sponsors for sure. So we owe a lot to Honey Badger for keeping us going and uh, 
keeping the payroll going, right? Yeah, man. Feeding the meter, <laughs> as they call it. Awesome. Okay, moving on here. Packages. Spell number is a cool little package to convert words in Laravel easily using the PHP International extension to handle the conversions seamlessly. Uh, so in this case, spell number, double colon, value 100, two letters would spell out for you 100. Or if you had spell number, double colon, value uh, and you had the number, let's see here, 12,300,000, right? One, two, three, zero, 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 zero. And you say two letters on that, it's going to spell out for you 12,300,000 in words. So at the time of writing, this supports six different locales. So you can convert your numbers to these various different languages. All you have to do in order to accomplish that is before you, uh, before you do that terminable method, two letters, you just have to specify the locale. So you'd say spell number, double, double, double colon, value 100, arrow, locale, EN, arrow, two letters, right? It also works with currency or floating point numbers. Um, so you can say, you know, $100 and 12 cents, right? So if you say um, mm-hmm. two money instead of two letters, it will intelligently figure that out and that uh, that also accepts uh currency right so you could say dollars or euros or yen or whatever the different uh currencies are that mm-hmm. you want and it'll it will handle converting that correctly for you i'm really racking my brain here trying to think of when exactly i would use this when would you need to I can spell a number out yeah you're you're in the financial industry i can think of it. an immediate use so, you know, when you look at numbers all day, sometimes they can kind of blur a little bit together sure. and you might put an extra zero somewhere or miss a zero. So if you're expecting something to say 12 million and you've mm-hmm. actually got 120,000 mm-hmm. or 1.2 million, you know, being able to show that kind of transliterated number to word, you know, it gives you that little bit of extra cross-reference to say, yes, this is actually 12 million. Because if you see 12 million and you're expecting 1.2 million, or you know some other. That's really you know, the extra zero can yeah can be um the extra zero can be problematic, no, um, like especially if it's you know looking for you know finance and things like that. So I I really like the idea behind. I don't I don't know what the you know the idea behind this package was itself, but certainly I can see a use for it in in my industry. Yeah, like what about so we've had situations like this where we'll say hey. Um, you know, you're going to make a settlement offer to somebody. They they are supposed to be paying ten thousand, and you're going to offer them an eight thousand dollar offer, right? And sometimes they'd actually mm-hmm. put an eight hundred, right, or something, yeah. right? And if it falls outside of a certain set of parameters, we alert them to say, like, "Are you sure this is what you want? Like, you put an eight hundred, mm-hmm. but we just show them the same number that they put in. So it could be like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah for sure." Like, and if you said it that way, if you spelled it out like $800, then it'd be like, oh, no, 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 not 800. It's supposed to be 8,000. Yeah. So that's a really good point. I can see that. I can see that being used. Yeah. 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 Super useful uh, package there. Good call. Yep. Splate Panel is a Laravel starter app to effortlessly create sleek dashboards, harnessing the power of Laravel Splade's intuitive SPA building features. If you are not familiar, Splade has the magic of Inertia.js with the simplicity of Blade and allows you to build single-page applications with Laravel Blade while still having the power of Vue.js. Splade panel builds on top of Splade, incorporating Laravel Jetstream to provide an admin panel with built-in translation, roles, management, uh, user management, and more. Utilizes Laravel 10, integrates with Jetstream as a smart error tracker to keep you informed if anything goes awry. There is a comprehensive tracking system to monitor all your requests. There's a site configuration system for easy setup, multilingual support 
advanced permissions for fine-grained control and ready-to-use plugin system for easy expansion. So, yeah, I think we've spoken about Splayed on the podcast before. It's kind mm-hmm. of gives you that JavaScripty SPA kind of clicking about um, that, you know, obviously Vue has that kind of functionality if you've ever used you know, in the Rails ecosystem, they've got uh, TurboLinks or it's just called Turbo now. I think LiveYV3 has introduced this SPA kind of functionality as well. So lots of different um, approaches to kind of getting that same SPA feel and catering to all of the spectrum in terms of, you know, people that are familiar with JavaScript or those that want to stick with stay in PHP or use LiveWire or whatever. So we've got lots of different options now all to kind of give you that functionality. And obviously... Um, this package itself, Splayed Panel, is the ability to build dashboards on top of Splayed itself. So definitely check that out if that is something that you need to do. Very nice. Okay, uh, we have next on the list uh, the ability to shorten URLs. So this is not a package that shortens the URLs for you. This is really just an SDK, essentially. So Cutly is a link shortening API, right? So when would you need to use this? Well, one case in which we use this is when we want to really limit the number of characters that we're sending in an SMS text message. Uh, we also want to like engender trust, right? And so one way right. to do that is to basically say like, I'm, I'm, I'm sending you a short link, but like bit.ly slash something, something, something doesn't do a great job of, of you know what I mean? It's still yeah. a, it's still a crappy mm-hmm. short link. So like what we do is we have like a custom domain. I'm not sure if Cutley actually even allows you to do that. So maybe I'm just, you know, Maybe it doesn't matter. Any case, that's when we use short links. So this is this is a, you know, maybe that's a reason why you would want to use a short URL or something like that. In any case, Cutly is a service that does short link URLs for you. So the Cutly API uh, provides link shortening, editing, and statistics around those short URLs. It also provides QR codes and things like that too, which is kind of cool. Um, so you can use this really easily by calling Cutly. It's like a, the facade. And then double colon, short, and then passing in the URL that you want to shorten. It will return back to you the full link as well as the short link and the date that it was created. You can also retrieve the stats for those URLs using the stats method. So cutly stats and then passing in the URL that it returned to you, the short URL. And we'll give you how many times it's been clicked, uh, if it's been shared on Facebook or Twitter or Pinterest, uh, Instagram, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, that's it. So you can sign up and get familiar with Cutly uh, API by checking out the API documentation or find all this in the show notes. Very interesting. We have here a package called Enum Concern, which is a newly introduced package tailored to streamline the usage of PHP's Enum feature by providing a comprehensive suite of methods. It's backed by Laravel Collections and aims to offer a seamless and familiar experience. The key features of Enum Concern are its versatility, including a variety of methods that enable easy handling of Enum, such as an all, has, case exists, methods, and more. It provides conversion capabilities, which allows you to convert Enums to various formats, such as JSON, Array, or Key Value Collections, provides customization in obtaining subsets of values with methods like only, only as array, except, etc., and utility functions like random value, random case, first, last, etc. It integrates smoothly into existing enums, enabling functions like translation and various checks. So, for example, if you wanted to translate your enum values from English to um, Turkish, you can create a public function called translate to Turkish on the enum itself. And then you can say color, colon, colon, all translate to Turkish, and it will run your 
run your enum through that translation, which is essentially a, a match that allows you to kind of go through all of the cases and go, okay, red is Karamizi. I don't speak Turkish, so you'll forgive me, please. Uh, green is Yeshil. Blue is Mavi. So you get this all back and you can kind of define all within the context of a single enum rather than having like a, a per locale enum for each thing and then having to swap them out. You can kind of define it all in one place. There are a great many number of methods. I won't run through them all, uh, but you can definitely check out Enum Concern, which offers a robust solution for managing enums in PHP. It integrates seamlessly with Laravel collections and provides a host of useful methods. And whether you need to check, convert, or manipulate enums, this simplifies the process, saving time and effort. If you've ever wanted to, say, for example, pass the options the key value sort of members from an enum into Laravel prompts like choice. You know, if you try to do that using the cases thing, you might find that you're getting, you know, integers because you're only getting the values and things like that. So this is a nice little approach to kind of do that in a uniform and consistent way across all of the enums rather than having to do it on a, you know, enum by enum basis or write your own functionality that you have to maintain. So definitely check that out. Uh, Links will be in the show notes. Yeah, if you've worked much with enums, you run into some of these situations, right? I've I've personally had to create the all or case exists or only only as array, except except as array, random value. Like these these are all things that I've actually had to implement myself, and I've created you know little um, uh, traits to handle those things. And essentially, that's what this is doing. So it does it for me, so I don't have to do it ever again. So enum concern seems like a pretty good one. Nice. Okay, next we have lightweight permissions for Laravel with ladder. I'm interested on this one because I'm curious when watch what way it's different. So ladder is a package by Ania Dahiamandi that provides feather light permissions for Laravel. It simplifies role and permission management by avoiding storing everything in the database. So let's let's maybe compare and contrast this a little bit. If you have like Spassy permissions or the other one is Bouncer by Joseph Silber, a lot of those roles and permissions all get stored in the database. So you have a role that gets stored in the database and then you have different abilities that get stored in the database and then you have permissions that like a comp like puts together roles and abilities into like a permissions thing or something like that. I think that's what they're trying to fight against here, right? So they're fighting against storing everything in the database and it's inspired by Jetstream. So it offers a static approach that reduces queries and ensures immutability for easy modifications. So it goes through some code here. Uh, there's not much. I'm going to do my best to, to read it in a way that actually makes sense. This is always a mistake, but I'm going to try it anyway. So you might have a user that is going to use the has roles trait that is provided by ladder. And then you can access methods to manage user roles and permissions. So in the case of a user, you could say user has role, and then you can pass in a role to see if it does. And they'll just return a Boolean true or false. You can say user role permissions to see if you have permissions for a given role. Uh, Sorry, to see all the permissions for a given role. You can say user has role permission to determine if the user role has a given permission or has permission just to see if the user has a given permission either explicitly stated or by the role. And then to manage the roles, you can update or create. So user roles, update or create, user has permissions and then assign those. The curious part for me is I, I'm still, I, I don't know. 
I'm not sure where you configure these things, right? That's not actually put in the in the package or sorry, in our write up here. I'm sure it's probably specified inside of the source code, which you can find on GitHub or in the show notes. I don't know. Um, suggesting that there there is a migration to run, so I assume that it's going in the database. But it, yeah, I I'm wondering if it's just saying essentially. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Like where? So okay. So you have a role. Where is the role permissions? Like where is that at? Like where do you put that stuff? Maybe it's just uh, in a configuration option or something, right? Yeah, that's what it looks like. Mm. So that, that's what it looks like to me is instead of it being defined inside of the database, and maybe our write up here does a little bit of a miss on exactly what it differentiate, how it differentiates itself. Instead of it storing in the database, what you have is you have a ladder service provider where you can then specify a role. So you could say ladder role admin, and then you can say, here are the abilities that that particular admin has, right? Or ladder role editor. Here mm. are the abilities that an editor has. And then you can assign roles just by using, you know, roles update or create and then assigning uh, the role of yeah. admin. So here's the, here's the way in which this is different. With Spassi and I believe with Bouncer, what, what you kind of have to do is you, and Spassi might have, I think they have their own UI in Nova or something where you can update some of these things. But the other way that you have to do this is basically create a seeder. And the seeder then populates the database with the new abilities that you're creating or the roles that you're creating, they all live in the database, right? You have to you have to seed the database with those values somehow. And I think ladder, the difference here is that ladders, permissions, and roles live inside of the service provider rather than inside of the database, which to me, I actually, I know that like what that means is that if you ever want to update permissions, you have to update the code, which eh, maybe, maybe not. I think this is happening anyway, right? I think in general, if you are adding another permission, that's true. It's usually there to guard some aspect of the application, which is not something that can be controlled just true. by adding something to the database. So Very I kind true. of, I think that the migration here that that ladder provides is a user role table. So it's a pivot table that links your users to the roles, but the roles themselves and the permissions that they have. Yeah as you say, are defined in a service provider. So it kind of borrows from, you know, the way that Jetstream does some of its configuration in terms of, you know, closure-based methods and things like that where you can specify or, or feature flags, for example, that they're all kind of defined inside of your Jetstream configuration file. So I think that's, that's you know, especially for smaller things where you don't need that huge level of control. If you're not, you know, if everything's going to be role-based, and you're never going to worry too much about, you know, necessarily attaching permissions directly to a user, for example, then, you know, this may be an approach for you as well. So there are, there are certainly permissions, role-based ACLs and things like that are always something that you can, you know, either pick something up off the shelf like Bouncer or Sparcy's permissions package or something like that and, you know, have something that's infinitely scalable but potentially far more overhead than you need for most for a lot of applications or you can start with something simple like this you know it really does depend on the kind of growth and the size of your application that you're expecting and how much you kind of paint yourself into a corner in terms of you know needing to change that later and then you know obviously it's going to depend on a on an app by app basis 
I think you can even assign time, I think that, static permissions. I don't think it has to be role based in this case. Like you have role permissions, mm, but you can also mm. assign like ex, like actual permissions. I think I'm pretty sure. Maybe not. Interesting. Maybe not. Well, I guess it depends, right? You said in the the migration they provide is what? What does it do? Is it user user? It's just role? for the roles. Okay, so maybe it doesn't. Maybe it doesn't actually have the ability to mm. to assign a, a actual like a one off permission. Right. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't seem that way, but we could be wrong. In any case, there, there's that's what that is. So if you're interested in learning more, of mm. course, find it in the show notes. Very good. A couple of developer tools here. The first one is a tool called UI Colors, which is a Tailwind CSS color generator that automatically generates a color palette based on any custom color. Some of the features include being able to generate a color palette with ease. You simply give it a hex code or HSL color and watch as the UI colors instantly churn out a range of shades for you, perfectly suited for Tailwind. Gives you full control if you're not quite satisfied with any of the automatically generated shades. So you can adjust and edit to find the perfect hue manually. You can save and revisit if you need to come back to it later. And you can share your creations if you're collaborating with a team or want feedback from other designers. There's also a Figma plugin that you can use to use the same color scheme and it'll even create the color variables for you automatically. So if that's something that you are doing, I know that Steve Shoga spends weeks to months coming up with all of the, you know, 600 or something <laughs> colors that are in right, Tailwind these right. days. Um, and there's like a lot of process and, you know, eyeballing and probably sleeping between looking at these you know, nine shades of one color over and over again to make sure everything is perfectly balanced. But, right. you know, if you need something that's on brand, for example, and you don't want to kind of go through and figure it out for yourself, this is, you know, a app-based sort of derived formula. Obviously, you don't have Steve there to pick nine colors for you over the span of three weeks, but it's something that can get you up and running from close. You know, it gets you the close. brand color that's yeah. part of your palette already. So definitely check it out. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, we've got one more package on the list here, and this is a package that I think Steve Sugar, not Steve Sugar, Steve McDougal, Steve McDougal. Thanks, you said Steve Sugar, I got Steve Sugar stuck in my head. Steve McDougal, mm-hmm. Steve King, if you will, not Steve King. Uh, Steve McDougal has created. So, if you've not used um, Raycast before, maybe you've used Alfred. Alfred is like your launcher, right? Well, Raycast is a blazingly fast, totally extendable launcher, right? You can do GitHub stuff. You can do timers. You can do whatever. It's the spiritual successor to Alfred, and it's open source. Now, they do have like a purchasable version, but you can get 95% of the functionality just by using it straight out of the box for free, which is awesome. But if you happen to be looking for your next job, Instead of having to go to Lara Jobs to find it, now you can instantly search for open positions on Raycast. So Raycast extension for Lara Jobs. So you can navigate through the job listings straight from your command launcher. So to install this, it's this extension, you can search the store for Lara Jobs or you can go to the search Lara Jobs Raycast extension page. It must be on Mac OS and using the Raycast app to use this extension, of course. But... Uh, there you have it. Searching Lara Jobs has never been easier. Also, Steve uh, talks about, or maybe it's Paul, uh, talks about checking out the source code for Search Lara Jobs, which is a great way to learn to build your own extension for LaraCast. And then there's also some official documentation around creating your first extension where you can learn how to create your own. Shout out to Steve McDougal 
who created the extension. Nice job. Okay, couple tutorials and we are all done, folks. Couple of tutorials. The first one includes video content from our fearless leader, Eric Barnes, which talks about PHP's max function. Um, it's used to find the highest value in a list of items. You can either pass it a, a variadic number of arguments. So you could say max, open paren, two, three, one, six, seven, and it will give you the largest value from that list, which is seven. Or you can pass it an array of values and it will do the same. But Eric has put together a tutorial here that talks about obviously the functionality itself, but looking at original code and how it's refactored to use the PHP's max function and more. So definitely check that one out. It's always nice to see our fearless leader and he's got his face in front of the camera for a change. So check that one out. And lastly, we have a video and article from Chris Fidel, which talks about debugging gateway errors. We sometimes get hit by these horrendous errors, like a 502 bad gateway or a 504 gateway timed out. Um, They're Nginx errors, so you don't get anything in your Laravel log when it sends a request to PHP, but PHP is returning some error saying it can't process the request or that they're not actually errors from the application, but are usually errors hit before the application even processes the request. As I said, you don't end up with any useful logs in your Laravel thing. They'll be hiding away in an Nginx log somewhere. Um, So this talks about what a gateway is, what a bad gateway is, uh, what a gateway timeout is, and how you can go about debugging those errors. So we'll have links to both of those tutorials in the show notes. I love this new format that these uh, these dudes are putting together, right? Like the uh, Twitter sh- or, or YouTube shorts, TikTok, you know, whatever. The more vertical sort of thing. They're really nice to be able to consume on your phone. I love that you can just kind of slip through them and just like, oh yeah, this is a new thing. I'm going to play that. It's not something you have to like, you know, dedicate. You go to YouTube and then you have to turn your phone sideways. And then you have to, you know what I mean? You could just kind of consume them really quickly, uh, which is, is pretty cool. So Chris and Eric both doing that stuff now. Really nice. Well, hey, folks, thanks so much for hanging out with us today. Thanks again to Honey Badger for sponsoring the show. This has been episode 198. You can find show notes for this at podcast.laravel-news.com slash 198. If you like the podcast, we would so much appreciate it. If you rate it up in your podcatcher of choice, five stars would be amazing. If you have any questions, of course, you can hit us up on Twitter at Jacob Bennett, at Michael Dorinda, or at Laravel News. Until next time, take it easy. See ya. See ya.